0: Spain and on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests join us on the shell, Penzo, Performance Line. I'm Jason Fitz, flying solo tonight. And we've got something new for you, something different for you, something fun for you tonight. Way to be part of the Spain and Fitz Nation on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed, ESPN Nation, presented by Dr. Pepper. The college football season is heating up. So is your favorite Dr. Pepper-loving college football town, Fansville. Head to a store near you to treat your inner college football fan to an ice-cold 20-ounce Dr. Pepper today. You've already seen it if you're out there on Twitter, at Jason Fitz, at Spain and Fitz. You've seen what we're going to do. We're going to have a little bit of fun tonight. We are not going to acknowledge anything other than sports over the next couple of hours. But in that process of talking about sports, we'll have a little bit of, I don't know, something that's never been done in radio history. Maybe we'll vote on things. In fact, what we're going to do every single segment, we're going to ask you to vote on something different. We're going to vote over the course of the next two hours on each con- each division quarterback in the NFL. So what we're going to ask you to do is we're going to ask you to decide which quarterback you want to represent your favorite division for the next four years. We're not talking about right now. We're talking about for the next four years. And believe me, that complicates the entire discussion. So we put the first one up, and it's the AFC South. That way you can get in on it. We've got the tweet up there on ESPN Radio. Plus, I've retweeted it which quarterback do you want to represent your favorite division for the next four years? At this point, we got Deshaun Watson, Ryan Tannehill, Gardner Minshew, and Phillip Rivers all up on the board. We will update you on the polls as we continue in every segment. We'll do a different division, so it's a chance to get in, have a little fun, do a little voting in a fun way. So uh, as we keep you updated on everything going across the, the spectrum in the NFL, at the top of the list was the trade deadline. Now, We weren't sure what would happen, and the ultimate answer is not much. I mean, when you think about what the trade deadline has brought us, it didn't bring a lot of change. It didn't bring any big-name movement. In fact, it feels like it brought a lot of disappointed fans, and uh, fans all looked at it this year and said, hey, this is such a strange year. It feels like the year we could get something done. I would argue that because it's a strange year, that's why not much got done. So you think about what you're asking everybody to do when it comes to trade deadline time. What you're asking your favorite team to do is to trade future resources and that is a difficult thing because future resources in the in the form of draft picks are also affordable resources. So do you want to spend now uh, when you could save later? That's usually already a difficult decision but it's compounded this year in COVID-19. A couple reasons why. Number one, we have no idea what teams are going to look like every single week. So Yes, you can turn around and you can make a big blockbuster trade. But when you don't know, depending on COVID-19 and how your team tests, if you'll even have a quarterback one week, uh, God forbid, or you know what star player may have to sit out a game, does that make teams a little more hesitant to turn around and make a big change? The other element of this that's important is you start thinking about what it means for this season. We don't know how much of this season is going to get played. And while we are trying to be confident – Uh, Not only on this show, but as uh, NFL fans, we're trying to be confident that the entire season will be played. You don't know. So as much as I looked at it today, for example, Stephon Gilmore was rumored to be on the trade market, but there was asking for at least a first, uh, first round pick and a player. I was talking to my buddies in Vegas this morning and they asked, would the Raiders be interested in Stephon Gilmore? Well, usually you could turn around and say, oh, heck yeah but not knowing how this season is going to play out, not knowing what you're going to have from your team every single week, not knowing how many games you're going to get to play, not knowing if you'll play a complete season, all of those things become factors. Another factor is the fact that anybody traded has to wait six days before they can report to the team. So in essence, if you're trading for somebody right now, you know already you're going to get one less game out of that player. is an impact if you're looking to try and acquire somebody that you think is going to give you the opportunity to achieve some level of greatness. Those are all sort of parts of the trade deadline complications. But lastly, and really, uh, you know, in the, in the weeds, as they say, of the details and minutiae of the NFL, is an understanding that uh, right now, teams in every sport, the NFL included, are worried about the future of the salary cap. The salary cap is based on revenue brought in. Well, we all know revenue brought in is going to be different this year, which means there could be limitations on spending in the future. So are you willing to go out and bet future affordable players to acquire somebody right now that may cost you a ton of money to give up capital in future drafts where you can get them cheaper, not knowing what the season's going to play out to look like, and not knowing how much money you'll actually have to spend, not next year, but for the next couple of years. Those are such complications that are real for NFL teams that I feel like what everybody's doing right now is saying, hey, in a year of chaos, can we get by with what we have? We all want our favorite team to be aggressive, right? We all want our favorite team to go out and make something magical happen. But when you ask yourself, can we get by with what we have, Knowing that the playoffs are already expanded to seven teams per conference and may expand to eight teams per conference if games are eliminated, these are all sort of building bricks on the wall that prevents a lot of action on the trade deadline. Now, that being said, there was still a little bit of action. As you heard from SportsCenter, the Chiefs traded for DeAndre Washington, who the Chiefs are sorry, the Dolphins traded for DeAndre Washington, who the Chiefs acquired this year from the Raiders. Uh, there was a, a bit of a draft pick compensation swap there. So that is one move that was made and the Titans have been very active over the course of today not necessarily in trades but in what they've been doing Vic Beasley uh, who was supposed to be one of their more significant offseason acquisitions has been cut he will be waived he'll have to go through the wave process at this point Uh, he's been let go from the team after only five games in a match that just didn't work from the get-go Jonathan Joseph also uh, about to be released from the team so the Titans making big changes defensively now, that doesn't mean that they necessarily went out and made a big acquisition today, although they did yesterday uh, trade for a corner from uh, from the Chargers. The Titans are telling you, hey, we don't believe we have a coaching issue. We believe that we have a player issue. So we're going to make big changes to try and fix that. That's not dissimilar to what the Cowboys just did in cutting Don Terry Poe, right? Uh, the, the Cowboys went in and made a big statement, uh, but that doesn't necessarily make their defense any better. So I'm not sure exactly what they're trying to get from this other than admitting, hey, we made a mistake. And sometimes all you can do as a team is that, is stand up and say, hey, we made a mistake. And at some point, the only way we can fix it is to admit that mistake and move on. That's exactly what's happened. We'll get you an update here It's Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. Again, we've got the poll coming up. It is there. Every segment will get you a different division. We've started with the AFC South. The question is, which quarterback would you like to represent your favorite division for the next four years. I've got it up here. Deshaun Watson right now getting 77% of the vote. Ryan Tannehill getting 17% of the vote. Gardner Minshew at four. Phillip Rivers at two. Stosh, incredible producer. Stosh, am I seeing anything different here than you are?
1: I mean, this is Deshaun Watson, and there's no question about it, right? Oh, without a doubt. It's Deshaun. And I mean, Phillip Rivers probably even going to be there in four years, so in the Jaguars quarterback situation being what it is, this seems like, yeah, this is a pretty good uh, bet here.
0: Yeah. I mean, at this point, the Jags are trying to put themselves in a situation where likely they can get a top two pick so they can have their pick of either Trevor Lawrence or uh, or Justin Fields. Right. So Gardner Minshew, I think, is, you know, it's been fun, but I don't think there's any sustainability. The Ryan Tannehill one is interesting because they gave him a ton of money, you know, and and for anyone that says that he's a game manager, I would challenge that you're not watching enough Titans football. He is not a game manager. They are an explosive offense, not afraid to sling it. They are an explosive offense, not afraid to let Ryan Tannehill win them games. I know that's not what happened in the playoffs last year, but that's because the Titans as an offense believe that they will do whatever is their strength in that particular matchup. So if that means they need to run the ball exclusively, they will. But if they need to air it out, they will also do that. Chris Mitchell also working on the show. Mitchell, you don't see this any other way than than we do, right? Like we're all team, team Deshaun here?
2: I think we can call it. I think we can give it to Deshaun Watson.
0: Oh, that's an early call. I like this. Like, we're not afraid to be aggressive on this show and make an early call. So, uh, oh, Tannehill got a little tick up here. I'm looking at it. Tannehill up to 20% of the vote. That's a statement to how many great Titans fans follow me on Twitter. I think that's what they're, that's really happening there. Let me say this I believe in Deshaun Watson. But I also, I'm sorry, uh, Ryan Danihill. But I also believe that Deshaun Watson is one of the best quarterbacks in the league. So if I were starting a team from scratch and I had the opportunity to pick any of these four quarterbacks, it would be Deshaun. So I squarely placed my vote for Deshaun Watson. Uh, You'll be able to continue voting throughout the course of the night. Again, we will get you all sorts of divisions. Coming up next, a heated argument about the AFC East as we look at their quarterback situation. Plus, One team in college football that has absolutely got their back against the wall, and it could impact the college football playoff. We'll tell you about it next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. Oh, we're voting on stuff, and it's fun. People getting fired up. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Presented by Progressive Insurance. I'm Jason Fitz, flying solo tonight. All of our guests join us on the Shell Penzo performance line. In just a few minutes, we will be joined there by Chris Mortensen as we get the latest on the NFL trade deadline. But in the meantime, ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive is proud to honor our veterans by donating cars to move their lives forward, especially in times of need. Learn more about their Keys to Progress program and plans for 2020 at KeysToProgress dot com. If you're just tuning in, this is what we're doing. We've got it out on Twitter. We've got polls out there. Every ten minutes, we're putting one up, and we're letting you decide which quarterback should represent this division for the next four years. So it's a different division each time. And remember, we're not talking about right now. So you got to factor that in, as some of these quarterbacks may get uh, older, and we don't know what the future are going to be uh, will be for some of these. So uh, this one, it looks particularly bad to a lot of people. We're getting some some tweets explaining that. It's not particularly goodness here as we look. At the AFC East, sorry, Chris Mitchell, and so we've got the vote is up here. You can vote between Josh Allen, Tua Tagovailoa, Sam Darnold, and we put Jared stinham on the poll just because we all know that Cam's on a one-year deal and it doesn't look like that's going well. So, which of those four quarterbacks would you want? You guys can hit us up on the, the Spain and Nation, Spain and Fitz Nation on the Dr Pepper Twitter feed. Getting a lot of memes on that one, and uh, Craig Geo says on that, Craig says, "Can I take whoever the Jets draft number one overall in 2021?" I like that logic. You guys can keep chiming in on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed on Spain and Fitz Nation. Uh, Chris Mitchell that works on our show is the resident Jets fan. I mean, Mitchell, are you just completely out on Darnold in this, in this vote at all?
2: Yes, I, I'm out on Darnold. <laughs> I, I would have put Trevor Lawrence in, but nobody in this room would let me type his name in there for the Jets.
0: Well, is it not fair to think that maybe you guys could accidentally win a game or two and then all of a sudden, bam, you're looking at Justin Fields instead?
2: Let's accidentally try to figure out how to put the ball in the end zone first before you even consider
1: winning a game. You have good players there. I just don't understand how this isn't working.
0: (laughs) Oh, Stosh, it's too soon. Uh, Jared Stidham, by the way, getting 1% of the vote which let me just say I appreciate that, Patriots fans. I appreciate the loyalty you show to whoever wears your jersey. Sam Darnold getting 7% of the vote right now. Josh Allen 56%, Tua 36%, Stosh, producer extraordinaire. I'm going Tua on this one, and that means Bills fans are going to hate me. Uh, I'm going Tua just because I'm still in love with Tua Tungvalo the way I saw him at Alabama, and I believe that he is going to have the opportunity to be a very good quarterback. And Josh Allen has at times been a little up and down, and I know that uh, his progression has been year to year incredible. I'm not taking anything away from that, but this isn't really a statement about Josh Allen. For me, it's a statement about how much I love Tua. So where are you on this
1: So I'm open to changing the vote eventually, but I I need to see more from Tua. And uh, he just started, so... I think right now where Josh Allen is and thinking four years ahead, I think this is actually spot on, this poll right now. Uh,
0: You know what, Stosh, You do make a a valid point, especially because when you start thinking about four years, what do I constantly say? It takes three years to know who you have as a quarterback. So, I'm using one game and hope as a reason to go for Tua. I understand why Bill's fans hate me. I, I, I get it right now. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. We'll get you updated in just a few minutes. You can get out to at ESPN Radio, at Spain and Fitz, at Jason Fitz. You know all these places. Go out there, get your vote in, and we'll update you before the end of the segment on who has won this vote. Last uh, last time we did the AFC South, Deshaun Watson already took that one home cleanly. It was a landslide. In the meantime, there's some big college football news that you need to know, and it revolves around Wisconsin. As uh, Due to the COVID 19 outbreak, their game against Purdue this weekend will not happen. This is where things start to get really complicated, guys, in the world of college football. And it gets complicated because we, we know at this point that teams have to play a, a certain number of games. Uh, so with two games being canceled, Wisconsin is on the brink of not being able to compete in the Big Ten championship because in order to play in that championship game, you must play at least six games. So they will have to play every remaining game on their schedule just to hit the six-game landmark. So uh, at this point, if they can't get to six games... Uh, This could get really complicated because Wisconsin has a viable shot at the playoffs. And uh, there's a couple of reasons why. Number one, we expected Wisconsin to be good. And the fact that we got just a little tiny taste of quality quarterback play has us all completely uh, just doing cartwheels at this point for Badger, 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 Mushroom. All right, I get that. Uh, But the other part of it is there is not clearly a fourth-best team in the country in college football. I'm going to keep saying this over and over again. I mean, you look at it most years, you can make a – argument for a a second team in a conference that has easily stood up well we haven't seen that yet I believe that Clemson's going to beat Notre Dame handily and at that point Notre Dame will be eliminated from the conversation We've already seen the Big 12 sort of take care of itself and eliminate itself from the conversation, uh, especially with the Oklahoma State loss to Texas. That was a heartbreaker for the conference overall. So now you look around the landscape and you say, okay, who else? I mean, North Carolina had hoped to be that school, but they lose to Florida State a couple of weeks ago. That takes them out of the conversation. The Pac-12 is hoping that they're going to be able to come in and at least assert themselves, but I'm not sure how many great teams there will be there and how much momentum they can get. That's going to be a big part of it. So you're left with this real conversation between Cincinnati, as weird as that sounds to anybody that hasn't watched Cincinnati, you're left between the conversation between Cincinnati and a second team in the Big Ten. I believed that Penn State could be that second team in the Big Ten if they could just keep it close against Ohio State. Well, then uh, we all saw how the season started, and then we saw what happened against Ohio State. So they're out of it. I mean, you start looking at this, and it's a little bit of process of, of elimination. I'm not a big Bachelor fan. That's not really my, my jam when it comes to reality TV. But sometimes it feels like in those types of shows, in a dating show, you end up with the person that's left is just sort of the best of a bad lot, right? Like that's sort of what it feels like. That's what it feels like we're trying to find in the fourth overall team in college football. Wisconsin had the opportunity to be the exception to that. They have one big game left on their schedule. One ranked opponent that's supposed to give them some value as a team, and that's Michigan, But at this point, we can't say for sure the Michigan game will be played. And even if it is played, Michigan's coming off of an epic loss to Michigan State. So I'm not sure even Michigan is giving Wisconsin the runway they need. All of this is part of what's going to make college football exciting going down the stretch, trying to figure out who that fourth team is. Uh, Because we all believe Clemson, Ohio State, and Alabama are the three best teams in all the land. So if we believe that and there's a hole for a fourth team, that hole, that opportunity is there for Wisconsin. That's why with no wiggle room, with no ability to postpone games, and with the college football playoff committee being clear that they're not willing to postpone everything, this is the moment where I ask if college football conferences had played nice together in the beginning and they'd all come to one decision on when to play and how to play, would there have been more wiggle room and would the rest of the college football community be more willing to work around the Big Ten? The Big Ten didn't wait for everybody else. They moved on their own. And now I think they're paying the ultimate price for that because they're not getting any flexibility in return from everybody else. Without that flexibility, without the ability to move games, and without the rest of the college football world looking around saying, hey, how can we help you guys out here? Without that, I think that unfortunately Wisconsin could be the first team eliminated from playoff conversation that actually may have a legit argument for being considered. In the meantime, it's Spain and fits on ESPN Radio. Again, we've got the uh, the polls out there. So far, this one's close. It's closer than I thought it would be. As we ask you, which quarterback you want to represent your division for the next four years? The AFC East is the current uh, the current one we're taking a look at. Josh Allen with 56% of the vote currently. Tua Tagovailoa with 35% of the vote. Chris Mitchell, I'll go back to you. As our resident Jets fan. Which quarterback that I just listed, Josh Allen or Tua Tungavaloa, would you as a Jets fan say, my God, I do not want to face that guy for the next four years?
2: None of the quarterbacks in the AFC scare me right now, but I think Tua has the potential for me to be like, I don't want to face that guy.
0: Well, the results are final, and Josh Allen has won with 56% of the vote. Vote. Bills Nation, very excited about it. Tua Tungvaloa with 35% of the vote. Sam Darnold with a lowly 7% of the vote. But Jared Stidham proving the Patriots fans are ever the loyalists, uh, loyalists with two percent of the vote all right we'll do the afc west next i think we all know how that one's gonna play out but we said we do every division so we're still gonna do it we'll put it up in just a second you can get out there and vote plus espn nfl insider chris mortensen gonna join us we'll get the latest on everything you need to know about the trade deadline coming up spain and fits on espn radio spain and fits on espn radio the espn app and sirius xm channel 80 i'm jason Fitz flying solo tonight we're having a little bit of fun. Every segment, we're asking you to get out there and vote on what quarterback you want to represent your division for the next four years. So it's not right now, it's the next several years. We've already done the AFC South, where Deshaun Watson won handily. We just did the AFC East, where Josh Allen uh, squeaked out the win against Tua Tungvaloa. We now have up there on at ESPN Radio, at Jason Fitz, at Spain and Fitz, we have the AFC West, and you guys know I'm a Raiders fan. So, yes, I voted for Derek Carr because I'll never vote for Patrick Mahomes. Come on, I'm not a professional. But in the meantime, Patrick Mahomes with 88% of the vote. We knew this one was going to be a blowout, so I don't want to talk about it. In the meantime, we're going to get to straight talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless, and by, uh, to get that, we'll head over to the Shell Penzo Performance Line, where we're joined by ESPN NFL insider Chris Mortensen. More thanks so much for the time tonight. I appreciate you, my friend. So let's start with the trade deadline. Was there anything that actually surprised you that didn't happen today?
3: No, not really. You know, I really I talked about it a little bit on, uh, on our, our network uh, last week, which is the trade deadline, yeah, it was at 4 p.m. today, but because of the coronavirus rules, it really was last week. In other words, you had to tra- if you were going to trade for somebody, not like un- uh, unlike the Ravens did when they traded for Yannick and Gagway from the from the Vikings, uh, you, had to, you had to trade in advance to really have him eligible because of the COVID rules. You know, you got to wait five days and then you got to wait one more day, and and uh, it just felt like uh, everybody who was making trades was going to do it before th- this week. There was a lot of chatter, of course, about the Green Bay Packers. And whether to get uh, Aaron Rodgers, another receiver, like one of the Houston Texans guys, whether it be Will Fuller or uh, Kenny Stills or Brandon Cooks and Randall Cobb. But, you know, I, I, even though the Packers are more aggressive under this regime, I, I didn't see that happening. And the, and the Texans are, you know, from what I gathered, everybody was for available except Deshaun Watson and J.J. Watt. Okay, that means there's a lot of players available. But I know one team that was actually asked about a reserve player, and the Texans wanted a third-round pick for a reserve player, which tells you they weren't really doing any business today.
0: That's funny, and and more. There was a lot of conversation about uh, Stephon Gilmore being on the blocks. How real was any of that? From what you've been able to find out?
3: Well, teams called to check in on him. I think uh, uh, Diana Rossini had had a tweet early in the day, and and which is yeah, I mean. Patriots wanted a a first-round pick and perhaps a player. And it is the reigning defensive player of the year. Now, Gilmore's situation is interesting. I mean, there were a lot of new contracts by cornerbacks. And all of a sudden, where he was in the top two or three, he already slid slid out of the top five in terms of paid quarterbacks. You know, he wins the defensive player of the year award. He wanted his contract addressed. They moved some money from 2021 into 2020 he's been unhappy you know kind of had requested a trade uh and then you know last thursday in, in their own loan padded practice he banged into somebody and in, in practice and then next thing you know he's not playing in a big buffalo bills game in the afc east and you just kind of had a sense that you know he was available uh but uh nothing got done and and uh so that, that was that would have been one that would have uh Probably been the big headliner if it had happened, but I got to tell you, Fitz, uh, I'm among maybe a small group of people who think that the Patriots are still in it. And uh, and you know, when you think about them winning the first two games of the season, almost beating the Seahawks as you know in week three, then the COVID problem set, which which if you know Bill Belichick just having a practice, continuing to develop players, usually the first four weeks are like a preseason for them. Uh, I think that threw them off the rails, but. And they they could have beaten the Buffalo Bills this past Sunday. Uh, So I'm not counting them out of uh, the playoff race, especially if we end up with an expanded playoff.
0: We're talking to ESPN NFL insider Chris Mortensen on Spain and Fitz, Jason Fitz flying solo. You just mentioned the expanded playoff, and uh, I know you reported extensively on the competition committee looking at adding an eighth team. So what's next in that process for them?
3: Well, it's to actually present their resolution – to owners, I don't know what the timeline on that, but it's just a it's a contingency, as you as you can tell, and as you know, I don't know how you feel about this, but you know, Dr. Anthony Fauci predicted well, we're we're on an uptick with the coronavirus. It's going to go up in the winter. We're seeing a lot of cases spike around the country. Uh, Dr. Alan Sills, the NFL chief medical officer, Dr. Tom Mayer, who's the chief medical officer for the NFLPA, both agree that. You know, if it's endemic in society, it's going to get to the NFL, despite the aggressive testing uh, done by the, uh, by the league. And, and we're seeing players test more positive. We're seeing the protocols become more strict with contact tracing. Uh, all of a sudden, the Ravens have like five or six players. They're going to be out, uh, and, and they play the Colts on Sunday, a pretty big AFC game. Uh, we're seeing the CEO of the Broncos and the GM of the Broncos, Joe Ellis and John Elway, at home. Uh, with COVID. So I think the point that I'm getting to is that the competition committee said, if we don't play this 256 game season, that's how many is in a normal season and things are uneven and we can't fix it in the, by adding these games to the 18th week. In other words, the 18th week is, uh, you know, would be one that they would kind of move in there. If we can't fix it all, then we're going to go ahead and do, uh, we would propose uh a 16-team playoff. Right now, it's 14 teams, and we would do a one through eight, four division winners, four wild cards uh, in each conference, and then you would have a no buy for the uh, first place team. And It would be one versus eight, two versus seven, three versus six, four versus five, uh, and that's the contingency. You know, they've done a pretty good job of getting games in. We've had move games moved around, postponed, but still played. Bye weeks are going to start disappearing that margin for error, and what happens then if, if in week 18 there's one team that's in the race and has to make up two games? Well, that's where you go to this contingency. It's just not practical to do it.
0: We're talking to ESPN NFL insider Chris Mortensen on Spain and Fitz. Speaking of playoffs, one team that expects to be in that conversation are the Titans, their defense has struggled this year, but they made <laughs> a, a lot of moves here. So what do you make of, uh, of what the Titans have done defensively today?
3: But I think the trade for Desmond King was a, was a, the cornerback is a really good trade. I think admitting mistakes is a healthy thing. So Vic Beasley gets cut today. You know that was a, that was a little bit of a head scratcher. You know, one year nine and a half million dollars uh, for him in the off season, and then for some reason he decides not to show up, really participate in there's their, their uh, you know virtual meetings. Didn't show up for training camp on time. I mean I don't know what was up with that, but you know, eventually just felt like they'd have to cut their loss there. And they did No, the one you got to look at the Titans is like, you know, they, they went for Javion and Clowney and he hasn't really made a big contribution. And I know that when Mike Vrabel looks at their team and John Robinson, their general manager, you know, they're sitting there saying, Hey, we should, you know, we're competing to go play in a super bowl. And in the AFC, we see a much, oh, let's face it. When, when you look at the chiefs and you look at the, the Ravens and the Steelers—you've seen three pretty tough teams. So if you want to compete with those guys, you've got to get your team right. And I think uh, you know subtracting Beasley is probably a, a plus. Uh, adding Desmond King is probably a plus. And uh, we'll see how it goes forward. You
0: guys can follow him on Twitter at Mort Report. Mort, as always, you're the best, my friend. Stay healthy, stay safe. Thanks so much for joining us tonight. We really appreciate it. F-
3: Fitz, and, and yeah, I, might, I don't want to count out your Raiders, by the way, with that grouping. I'm still giving them a chance.
0: Oh, see, I love that more. You're giving me some hope. Well, I appreciate the no, hope, my friend. I, I, I'm
3: you. serious. I didn't mean to eat up more time, but I'm serious. I, I like I like what Gruden uh, is doing there.
0: No, that, no, I, I, I believe me, you can eat up all the time you want if we're talking about the Raiders more. Come on. No, I, I genuinely huh? I appreciate it. And I agree with you. I think they're they're actually they, they look like a playoff caliber team this year. So I get to celebrate too much in, on, in the halls of the Bristol.
3: Uh, well, I won't be there. <laughs> that's right. that's fair. ESPN 50. NFL Thank Insider
0: you. Chris Mortensen uh, always bringing the best. And uh, speaking of my beloved Raiders, uh, we knew that the the poll wasn't going to be good for the AFC West. If you're a Raiders fan, as we're asking every uh, we're asking you one division at a time who should represent the division for the next four years. And well, uh, this one isn't even close at this point. As uh, we have put up the AFC West. Patrick Mahomes gets 85% of the vote. That is now final. 85% of the vote. Justin Herbert gets 8% of the vote over Derek Carr getting 4% of the vote. I don't know why you guys hate Derek Carr so much. So That's some straight talk. Straight talk wireless. No contracts. No compromise. We'll keep the fun going. Let's get up the AFC North Let next. We'll let you vote on who you think should be the quarterback to represent the AFC North for the next four years. We'll do that next. Plus, the NBA has some, uh, has some work issues they've got to get figured out. The question is, what What's it mean for the relationship between players and Adam Silver? We'll answer that next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, SiriusXM, Channel 80. I'm Jason Fitz. All right, you guys got to keep up with me here. We're having fun with everybody. You know, it's a it's a night where we're coming in and just having some lighthearted, good, you know, uh, fun entertainment for everybody. A little bit of distraction, right? Uh, but what we're doing every segment is we're looking at each division. So, Uh, We're giving you the opportunity to vote on which quarterback should represent that division for the next four years. So we've already run through several divisions, but the amount of Twitter hate coming in because we even held a vote for the AFC West. I get it. Patrick Mahomes is better than everybody else in the AFC West. But you got to keep up with this. I mean, uh, at at some point, you got to keep up with what we're doing. But we do have some news from Spain and Fitz Nation as Dave Rowland came up and hit us up on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed and said, as of now, 12% 12% of respondents are morons, and that's in response to the 12% of voters, eventually 15% of the voters that didn't vote for Patrick Mahomes. i got to say, he's not wrong. I mean, I don't know. As much as my fandom wouldn't let me vote for, for Mahomes, I think we've all got to admit that it had to be Chargers fans that voted for Herbert Locke and, uh, you know, Carr, each each respective fan base got involved in that. In the meantime— And look, by we, the
1: way, real quick. Yes. Like, to me, this was more about it. The battle for second right we are we all yeah. knew patrick was going to win i was curious. we know
2: you're a chiefs fan stash you don't curious. have to talk
1: i was legitimately curious to see who would come in second because that's what this that's what that one was all about so everybody yeah. kind of chill you know have fun we know I patrick's love the, the best
0: the, like i love that herbert has gotten it got eight percent of the vote on that above Derek carr and you know this is this is that moment where i'm not sure i've had several espn experts ask me this question Why do Raiders fans hate Carr so much? I don't know the answer to that, but I will just remind everybody. Better passer rating than Brady and Breeze. Higher completion percentage than Mahomes and Rodgers. More touchdown passes than Kyler and Lamar. Better touchdown interception ratio than Russell Wilson against the NFL's toughest schedule. That's Derek Carr. Still not as good as Patrick Mahomes, though. All right, so (laughs) uh, we've got the AFC North up now. And uh, this one, I, I mean, I'm a little curious on where you guys are with it because... Uh, this, remember we're talking for the next four years. And so what you have is a Ben Roethlisberger that, you know, for the next four years, I don't know how many people bank on what level of production he'll get for four years. You just heard Greeny talking about the, the fact that Lamar Jackson hasn't yet won that big, big game that we've all talked about. Baker's been incredibly up and down. And then you've got Joe Burrow, who I think is just absolutely sensational from his year at LSU. But my God, how do I put one year at LSU? above what we've seen from guys like Lamar Jackson or even the one great year we saw from Baker. So this one to me is tough. Stosh, who you got in this?
1: Lamar Jackson's the easy pick here, but that's not who I'm taking. I'm going Burrow. I'm going Burrow. Wow. I think there's a lot lot of weapons there, and he's clearly shown he's on the right path. So I'm definitely taking Burrow here. Wow. This this – Entire process has taught us something
0: really important. I'll get to it in a second. Chris Mitchell, uh, who do you have in this poll so far?
2: Uh, I'm I'm big Joe Burrow. I'm going to stick with Joe Burrow. I think he is going to be very special, not only in the AFC North, but in the AFC period. He's going to be one of... He's going to be right up there with Patrick Mahomes. Give him a couple years.
0: The stunning thing to me, by the way, I voted for Lamar Jackson. Uh, and again, I... I did the Heisman piece on YouTube that exists right now on the ESPN channel about Joe Burrow, and I spent 10 minutes talking about uh, how, how much I'll never forget what last year was like for me traveling with Game Day and watching Joe Burrow in person and seeing the greatness of him. I believe that Joe Burrow has the opportunity to be Andrew Luck good, may, maybe better than that. Uh, I, I think Burrow has the opportunity to be an absolute superstar, and I, I, can't, uh, I can't question anything about that. I am stunned to see that right now, He's getting 66.5% of the votes. Lamar Jackson is getting 22% of the votes. Go back to earlier. So far, if you look at the divisions we've done, Deshaun Watson won the South pretty handily. Patrick Mahomes won the West pretty handily. But Josh Allen had a tight race, tighter than we've seen from any of these, against Tua. What I'm seeing right now is what we seem to love as NFL fans is shiny new and very little tape. Like, the more tape you get on somebody, the more opportunity you have to see what they're not only good at, but what they're not good at, where their limitations are. And I'm left to wonder how much that impacts all of us because we are going to let the fact that Lamar Jackson hasn't won a big game with the lights, you know, when the lights are on or however you want to turn that. He hasn't won a Super Bowl. He hasn't looked as good in the playoffs as we want him to. We're going to let that outshine an NFL MVP. Like, the, the guy is an NFL MVP, and Joe Burrow is crushing him in this. I mean, that says something about the fact that, as we fall in love with quarterbacks, this is what happens for everybody. Remember where we were with Baker Mayfield halfway through his rookie year where all of a sudden, I mean, Browns fans, oh, you guys. A year ago, Browns fans were crushing me for being an absolute moron, probably fair sometimes, for not embracing enough of the greatness of Baker. By the end of last season, it was, oh, I know Baker's a bum. And now we're week to week. I get to talk to affiliates in Cincinnati and Dayton, and we talk about those two affiliates. We talk about Joe Burrow. uh uh, sorry not Joe Burrow we talk about Baker Mayfield a lot and in that process it seems like a never-ending debate is he good is he not good is he good is he not good well the thing with Joe Burrow is we haven't seen enough yet to know how good or not good he is but what we've gotten is just a little little taste without any level of expectation and that seems to influence the way we see everything with young quarterbacks I'm going to be interested to see if that's a trend as the day continues in the meantime we do want to get you caught up on some big news In the NBA, it looks like the NBA and their Players Association and the owners are having some deep discussions about starting the season, and they hope to get the season started before Christmas. It's Payton Fitz on ESPN Radio. This is what Stephen A. had to say earlier when he was talking about why he thinks NBA players should get to work right away.
1: You're damn right he has a point, and the players have to handle it from that perspective. They've got to make a decision. Uh, Do you want to stay home for the Christmas holidays and lose anywhere from a half a billion to a billion dollars? I'm told the numbers around 600 to 650 million dollars that the players would lose and ultimately risk the NBA exercising its right to reopen collective bargaining talks, which would basically eradicate the financial structure that you have in place. Or would you like to come to work two weeks earlier? Period. Now, think about that for a second here you're willing to jeopardize all of that because you don't want to show up to work two weeks earlier?
0: Are you, I mean, everything Stephen A. is saying is absolutely right. And there's a happy medium here. We can acknowledge that there are star players like LeBron and AD that may not want to play right away, and we can also acknowledge that the league needs the Lakers to play right away. We can acknowledge that the players don't particularly want to go to to back to work so quickly if it's detrimental to their bodies, for ones that had long playoff runs particularly, but we can also acknowledge that it's detrimental to the bottom line for the entire league if that doesn't happen. Through that entire process, though, I'm left to wonder what's going to happen to Adam Silver. See, remember, Roger Goodell embraced the role of a villain a long time ago. You guys know I love my 80s wrestling analogies. Roger Goodell decided a long time he was okay being a heel. Doesn't mind being booed because it's good for the company and it helps everybody in the process. We don't often yell at owners, but we often yell at Roger Goodell. We don't often yell at uh, NFL policy, but we yell at Roger Goodell. In the NBA, Adam Silver's been the cool guy the whole time, the great guy. Everybody loves him. In the meantime, uh, revenue is down because of COVID-19, obviously. TV ratings were down. Uh, You look across the board, now Adam Silver needs to save money for everybody involved is he willing to be the bad guy that's not a role Adam Silver's had to play and I can't help but wonder how Adam Silver will be perceived if things get contentious and suddenly we end up with labor disputes between players and owners and suddenly the players may not love him as much the fans may not love him as much and through all of that Adam Silver who's managed to make it through so much still seen in such a positive light may finally know what it feels like to be in the same pressure cooker that Roger Goodell's in. Coming up next, we'll get to the NFC East end. What we all learned about Daniel Jones last night, we'll continue our voting in the polls next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Over the last hour, I've learned that recency bias is real, and it affects how you guys are voting on quarterbacks division by division. That's what we're doing, and I wonder how last night's result will impact the poll we're about to get to. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, SiriusXM, Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. I'm Jason Fitz, flying solo tonight, and this is what we're doing. We're having a little bit of fun, sticking only to sports over the, the, the course of this show tonight. We're having a little bit of fun by asking you to vote. Every 10 minutes, we've been putting up a different poll for a division. and What we're asking you to vote on is what quarterback you would want to represent that division, not just for now, but for the next four years when I say that recency bias is real and that recency bias affects things part of the conversation is because of what we just saw now to recap if you missed the last hour we started with the AFC South Deshaun Watson won fairly handily there and that's not a big surprise to anybody in the AFC East it was a little bit tighter as Josh Allen though was challenged by Tua Tagovailoa, who's played all of one game in the NFL Uh, Patrick Mahomes ran away with the AFC West. No surprise there. But we finished out the AFC last hour with a surprise. And I mean a genuine surprise. I'm not surprised uh, all all the time by a result. But I'm surprised by the margin of victory as we did the AFC North last. And when we did the AFC North, what we found is that the, again, this is what quarterback do you want to represent for the next four years? Lamar Jackson got 24% of the vote. That's significant because Joe Burrow got 66%. I'm not saying recency bias is real. I'm just saying Joe Burrow gets one win over the Titans. We were having the conversation off air. Uh, Lamar Jackson hasn't beaten a great team. Well, Joe Burrow's beaten the Titans. That's the greatest win he has on his resume so far. And that gives him 66% of the vote over Lamar Jackson. Man, it's heated. So now we go from, you know, that to another division that's obviously going to be heated, the NFC East. We put it up there. We put it on the poll. We're the first ever to say that. Uh, we're allowing you to vote for the next 10 minutes. Who do you want to represent your this division for the next four years? Carson Wentz, Dak Prescott. This is where it got a little tricky. We had to pick uh, Daniel Jones, obviously, and then we had to pick a, a starter for the Washington football team, so we went with Kyle Allen. We'll update you in just a minute on it, but I'm left to wonder how much of this conversation will be influenced by what we saw from Daniel Jones last night. The Giants found themselves unexpectedly in a close matchup against the Buccaneers. It was a winnable football game for the Buccaneers. And unfortunately, Daniel Jones made the mistakes that many view cost the Giants the game. Not to not just the turnovers, but even being late on the two-point conversion pass that was also placed in the wrong spot. Mike Tannenbaum on J- Get Up this morning didn't mince words about what the Giants need to do.
3: I, If I was them, I would draft Justin Fields from Ohio State he's a better athlete, he's more accurate, he makes less mistakes, and if you said I could either have Jones or Fields for the next 10 years, if I'm the Giants, I'm taking Fields.
0: I don't disagree with that. I think Mike Tannenbaum's right. I also think there are two quarterbacks in this year's draft that are worth marrying, and I'm going to use a dating analogy here, so just stick with me, okay? Uh, So often, when you get to the draft, and you get to quarterbacks, particularly in the draft, what happens is the fear of being single drives the decision-making. So, Oh, we don't have a quarterback. we got to find one, and this guy's the best one that's available, so we'll take him. The problem with that logic in the first round of the draft when you draft incorrectly a quarterback is more often than not, you spend years trying to figure it out because you got to the point where you said, okay, we got to go with this guy. Now you got to figure out if you've got the right quarterback. Does he have the right weapons? More often than not, you're talking about a four-year process after you draft at least trying to figure out if you've got the guy. This is what I think the Giants did, and in fact, when I was on way too early in the morning for anybody to listen to, uh, what I at the time, I was talking to a Giants buddy on air and said, look, I don't think the Giants should draft a quarterback because none of these guys are worth taking. The problem is there's so much pressure to find a quarterback that you forget your own draft board when you get into it. This year, it's going to happen again. It's a kid out of BYU and a kid out of North Dakota State that everybody's in love with. Uh, they're going to fly up the draft board, and maybe they'll be good. I don't know. Possibly. But what we do know with there are two quarterbacks that have given you everything you need to see to know that this is the one. You're not moving in with them too fast, you're not you're not committing too early. You just get down on a knee, you pop out the ring and you say Trevor Lawrence, will you marry me? And if the answer is yes, you pop a ring on it. All right? If Justin Fields is available to you, you sit down and say Justin, will you marry me? If the answer is yes, you do it. Everything else is some sort of version of moving in and just trying to figure it out. It's like a a couple having kids just because they think it'll fix their marriage. And that's where Daniel Jones and the Giants are now. See, they got married too early. The the Giants were afraid of being alone, and they were afraid that Eli was going to leave them. So they went with the younger option, thinking that maybe that would give them some sort of sense of stability moving forward. In the process of doing that, uh, now they're trying to have kids. Okay, well, well, what else do we need to put around this? How can we fix this relationship? Ultimately, the problem is that the Giants reached in the first place, and now you have to admit a mistake. That's something really difficult to do. Mort said, ESPN NFL insider Chris Mortensen, when he joined us last uh, last hour, said, I have no problem with an organization admitting a mistake. Neither do I. And that's what the Giants need to do. Daniel Jones, where he was selected, was a mistake. And unfortunately for the team, they now have to figure out what to do with that information. Now that you know you don't have your guy, what are you going to do to figure that out? Now, you guys know, I'm a big believer that it takes three years to know if you've got your quarterback. I believe that it takes three years to see a full body of work to understand, okay, this is what that quarterback did, this is how defensive coordinators adjusted to it, and this is how that quarterback then adjusted to the adjustments. All makes sense, right? That's what we've seen with Baker. It was big the first year, terrible the second year. Now, feels like it's sort of normalizing. That's what we've tried to see through all of it for Daniel Jones because what we've seen has been so consistently wrong. I believe that you can look at it, and even though you haven't given it the full three years, maybe you know that the person you're dating is crazy. And if that's the case, you owe it to yourself to try and figure out how to move forward. If Justin Fields is available to the Giants, it would be dumb not to take him. The problem is, if he's not available, if the Giants aren't picking in the top two where I think those two quarterbacks are going to go, if the Giants are picking fifth and they reach for another quarterback that may or may not be good, then the cycle repeats itself all over again. That is is the problem for the Giants. And that's the problem they got to figure out how to solve. It's Bain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. The ESPN app, Chase and Fitz, Fly and Solo. All of our guests join us on the show. Penzo Performance Line. The poll is out there right now. We're asking you which uh, quarterback you would have representing the East. And it's a runaway right now. Dak, 69% of the votes. Stosh, any
1: problem with that? The only thing that I'm wondering about... <laughs> is the Cowboys maybe botching this, and Dak is not a Cowboy in four years. But otherwise, no, I don't have a
0: problem with that. Well, you know, that's a, that's a we'll get to that in just a second. Chris Mitchell, any problem with Dak being number one in this?
2: Yeah, I have no issue with Dak being uh, number one in this, and you can see it the way the Cowboys have played the past couple games.
0: Yeah, I I think we're right, and we all agree that Dak uh, – and I still think Carson Wentz can play, by the way. I'm not out on Carson Wentz. I, I'm just in on Dak particularly. One thing that – has stood out to me, and I've had a few people ask, well, what if the Cowboys end up so terrible that they have a top-two pick in the draft and they have a shot at Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence? Well, if that happens for the Cowboys, I think there's actually a tricky scenario here where they, they franchise all over again, and they force a team that wants Dak to turn around and give them two first-round picks. That's simple. You, you force somebody to trade for Dak. I, I don't care if Dak is even remotely healthy. If anybody can look at him from a team doctor standpoint and know that he's going to make a full and complete recovery, I think that without hesitation, somebody would match whatever money it took and would give up first-round picks for Dak Prescott. That's the Cowboys' path if they end up so bad that they feel like they need to just restart completely with Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence. But I'll caution you all the time. You know, just because you haven't dated her, Doesn't mean she's better than who you're already married to. I think Dak Prescott is worth marrying all day, every day. This has been the strangest dating analogy you've ever seen around any quarterback. But that's what we're doing here. And we can call it at this point. It is over. It is done. Dak Prescott has won the vote. Next up, we will do the NFC North. And today, the trade deadline came and went. The question is, why didn't the Packers get any weapons? I'll answer that question definitively next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. I'm Jason Fitz. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests appear on the Shell Penzo a Performance line. Don't forget to subscribe to the Spain and Fitz podcast. We're always out there having a lot of fun. Get you a lot of exclusive content too that you can only get there. So uh, wherever you get your podcast, look for Spain and Fitz, and you'll find us there. We're brought to you by Shell V Power Nitro Plus Premium Gasoline. So we've been doing this throughout the course of the entire uh, night. Every segment, we give you about 10 minutes where you get to vote on who you would want to represent that division, what quarterback you want to represent that division. For the next four years, uh, we're in the hour of the NFC, and it is time for the NFC North to get some love, which means you got Aaron Rodgers, Kirk Cousins, Matthew Stafford. That one's interesting. Or Nick Foles. We had to pick a starter, and so we're going with Nick Foles because he's still the starter there. So you guys can get out there and vote. And this one's tough because remember, it is for the next four years. Aaron Rodgers, not particularly young at this point, obviously. It's hard for me to say when I'm older than he is, but. Aaron Rodgers near the end of his playing days, but currently very early on is the runaway leader in this stash. Could you make a case for anybody other than Aaron Rodgers in your mind? No,
1: (laughs) (laughs) no, sorry. Sorry, Sarah. No on Nichols. (laughs) No, no, sorry.
0: All right. So I'm not going to make an argument for Kirk cousins, but Matthew Stafford is a gifted player. He's very talented. The lines just always stink. Chris Mitchell, Uh, Can I talk you into Matt Stafford as the great hope for the next four years in the division?
2: Uh, (laughs) uh, It's tough, uh, but I I mean, I think you go with Aaron Rodgers. And I think people are also voting for Aaron Rodgers because of what's behind Aaron Rodgers. Maybe. I'm thinking their thought process in this.
0: Oh, you think that Jordan Love is playing? Again, like you think Jordan Love is going to come in and be like, if I had to ask you right now to pick between Matt Stafford and Jordan Love four years ago, are you taking Jordan Love
2: No, no, no. But if you're talking four years from now, maybe I think a little different.
0: No, Chris Mitchell has lost his mind. No, no, no. What I'm
2: saying is, like, I have to have the quarterback for the next four years.
0: Yeah, and I'm saying that if I knew that I had Matt Stafford for the next four years or Aaron Rodgers for right now and then Jordan Love for three – I'm taking Matt Stafford. Like We have no idea if Jordan Love is even going to be able to play. Like, Yeah, so, I think
2: you're I mean, right. I, I, f- I forgot that Stafford was 32. I just had to look it up for a second. I, for some reason, I thought he was 34, so I, it would have put him a little higher.
0: You know, the funny thing is Matt Stafford's in that, that category of how do you appreciate a quarterback that's put up incredible numbers that we all believe is really talented but plays on a bad team all the time. I mean, you guys know I'm not a big believer that wins and losses are just a quarterback stat, but – Uh, It has to factor into this. So, I mean, I I think it's a little tougher when you look four years out because four years from now, if I'm looking at this list of i got to bank on Foles, Rogers, Stafford, or Kirk Cousins in four years, I think I'm taking Stafford four years from now. But the question is, until we get to that point, who do I want? Now, one thing that didn't happen today through the trade deadline is for all of the rumors about the Texans. And, again, I'll say this, if you miss Chris Mortensen, he joined us last hour, said that the Texans made it clear everybody but J.J. Watt and Deshaun Watson was available, but at the same time, when a reserve player was asked about, they wanted a third-round pick, so that tells you, really, nobody was available, so none of the wide receivers moved to the Packers, and that has Packers fans frustrated. I guess my question is, why? What did you really expect? I'm going to ask everybody to remember what it was like around the draft, and I know that, particularly, the draft of 2020 feels like it was 18 years ago, because, well, 2020 and COVID-19, but let's be real for a second. This was not just a good Wide receiver draft class. This was a great wide receiver draft class, perhaps an epic wide receiver draft class. They said at the time, maybe the best wide receiver draft class we'd ever seen in NFL history. Now you think about that, and the Packers had plenty of picks. No, sure, we've made a lot about the fact that they didn't use a first round pick on Jordan Love. That's not the most important. Or on a wide receiver, instead using it on Jordan Love, that's not the most important part of the conversation. And the most important part of the conversation is they didn't use any picks on a wide receiver that could help them. They still had the opportunity in the second round, the third round, some would argue in the fourth round. They had the opportunity anywhere in the first two days of the draft for sure, maybe the first three days, to get a wide receiver that could be of value to Aaron Rodgers, and they didn't do it. They didn't get a wide receiver when it would, again, cost them virtually nothing because remember that contracts are so low for uh, rookies that are coming in comparatively that it's a value. So they could have had a value at wide receiver. They could have had a talented value at wide receiver. And they elected simply not to do it. Now, a few weeks ago, because this is, again, such an up-and-down season in 2020, we weren't questioning that. We were saying, hey, that makes a ton of sense. Don't worry about it. I mean, realistically, that offense looked pretty good. And it was, oh, you know what? Aaron Rodgers doesn't need weapons. They're hearing them. That's not true. He does need weapons. Everybody needs wide receivers. It's funny. You don't need them until you need them. And then all of a sudden, you make an excuse for why you don't have them. Isn't that what we've done for the Patriots? I mean, as Dan Graziano pointed out to me the other night, getting or last night, getting ready for Monday Night Football, that uh, the wide receivers at the time for the Patriots had as that they were drafted in the same round I was. They weren't. I mean, they didn't have anybody they spent draft picks on. In fact, I find it funny. They traded 2022 seventh round pick to the Dolphins for wide receiver Isaiah Ford. All right? They, they spent more draft capital on on wide receiver Isaiah Ford than they did in the draft on getting anybody to help for the Patriots. Certain teams believe they can just do it how they want to do it. And by doing that, they put themselves in a situation with their backs up against the wall. It looks brilliant until suddenly you don't have explosive weapons. It looks like you've got it all figured out until you get figured out, and then you're looking around and saying, well, what did you expect? We don't have any uh, dynamic playmakers on the outside. If I'm Aaron Rodgers, am I frustrated? Possibly? Why? Because this is a good Packers team. It's a Packers team that's going to win the division. It's a Packers team that's going to have a legit shot in the playoffs to do some damage because, well, Aaron Rodgers, right? It's a Packers team that you look across the board and say, okay, they'll have a shot at competing for a Super Bowl, sure, but they won't have the weapons to get it done. You know it. I know it. Aaron Rodgers knows it. The hardest part is that he knew it in April, too, and he, he lived through it in the draft. If there's anything that I think is a takeaway for the Packers, is that that wound is going to be freshly opened again for Aaron Rodgers, who's got to be looking around and saying, my God, guys, what is it going to take for you to value where I am today as a quarterback, for you to value what I need today as a quarterback so that I can be the best possible winner for you that we can have? I mean, what we've talked about throughout the course of the last hour and a half is how much results are sort of pinned directly to a quarterback. I mean, Lamar Jackson can't win the big game. So suddenly everybody voted on Joe Burrow over Lamar Jackson. I'm still shook by this, right? Uh, When you think about that, it's because he hasn't won the big game in a team sport. Well, Aaron Rodgers has only won one Super Bowl. And I say only because I think his greatness in the moment is not being appreciated the way it will be in 10 or 15 years. And then there will be real questions about whether or not the Packers maximized what Aaron Rodgers needed to be as successful as possible. Did they maximize the window they had? They showed us in April that they weren't making that a priority. The problem is they showed us again today. That's a reason we shouldn't be surprised by it. But it's also a reason why if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I'm again angered by it. At some point, what Aaron Rodgers wants is he had to have the ability to have an easy job, to be able to go back and say, I know that I can just throw this ball up and I've got the weapons around me to be great. The Packers didn't value that then. They don't value that now. And if we're surprised by it, then that's shame on us through the entire process. It's Bain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. I'm Jason Fitz, flying solo. Again, we've been asking you guys to vote. The votes are out. The votes are in. It's almost done, and it is a landslide. Aaron Rodgers right now getting 81% of the votes in the NFC North as as we take a look. Matt Stafford, though, did get 14% of the votes. Curiously, Nick Foles got 4%. Fine, but Kirk? Kirk Cousins got 1%. Somebody out there thinks that Kirk Cousins is the right guy to lead this division for the next four years, which is a reminder that fandom is what makes Twitter amazing sometimes, because I appreciate the dedication to your favorite quarterback if you're willing to turn around and vote for Kirk Cousins in this situation. All right, we'll keep the fun going as we've been giving you every single division, but I don't know that there's a division in all of football that's going to be harder to answer, seriously, than one of the ones we haven't gotten to, and we will get to it next. The NFC South has some big-name quarterbacks. But when you look at them over the next four years, the question is which one would be best to represent the division? We'll have a heated conversation about it next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. As we've gone division by division trying to figure out which quarterback should represent each division for the next four years, we finally have our most contested battle. Of the night, and I'm not surprised by it at all. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, Jason Fitz flying solo tonight. ESPN Radio presented by Progressive's Home Insurance. Get your quote at Progressive.com today. Again, what we've done each segment is we've given you a look at a different division. We put each of the quarterbacks up for the division, and we ask who you think, by vote, should be the uh, the division, the quarterback to represent that division for the next four years. And uh, we'll get you a recap on all of the results. But we are in the NFC. And right now, we are in the NFC South. Again, this is complicated because it's the next four years. So you talk about the four quarterbacks in the division, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Teddy Bridgewater, and Matt Ryan. When you talk about those four quarterbacks, you have an interesting issue to figure out because age has to play a part in a four-year election for which quarterback is going to represent this division for four years that's why it's not easy I mean if we believe that Drew Brees is virtually washed then maybe even though he's great he's not in this conversation and frankly that speaks to the fact that he has 10 percent of the vote right now Matt Ryan second to last has 21 percent of the vote Teddy Bridgewater 30 percent of the vote Tom Brady, 39% of the vote, and I'm shook by that because in four years, I don't want Brady. Well, I mean, I, I mean, it was a fumble, not a talk, so I never want Brady. But in four years, I can't imagine that I'm going to turn around and suddenly feel, still feel like Tom Brady is the answer here. I mean, I feel like this is more of a statement against Teddy Bridgewater and Matt Ryan than this is a statement for Tom Brady, and I'm wondering why everybody's so out on Matt Ryan. I mean, you're talking about a quarterback that's put up video game-like numbers, and whether or not his team has been good enough around him, I don't care. If i got to bank on one of these quarterbacks for the next four years, I'm going Matt Ryan, and I'm not even apologizing
1: for it. Stosh, what do you got on this one? So I'm going to reference a really good movie that I watched a few times back in the day when I answered this question, and the, qu- the answer is none of the above, referencing Brewster's Millions. If you haven't seen Brewster's Millions, <laughs> hilarious movie. John Candy, Richard Pryor, go watch it. Um, But if I'm forced to choose one, because I don't think any of these guys will be here, I'm going to go Matt Ryan.
0: I like that. See? I mean, so Matt Ryan over Teddy Bridgewater becomes the real decision for me. I'm taking it. Again, this is not about today. If this was about today, it's clearly Tom Brady to me. But this is about the next four years. I think over the next four years, it's pretty reasonable to expect that even though Tom Brady is basically Superman, and we all get it, and even though I'm pretty sure he can play until he's 72 years old and he's still going to find a way to do it and do it well, I still, if I'm going to bet, I'm going to have to bet against, at some point, father time usually wins. So that's why I take Brady and Breeze out of the conversation. Then I'm left with Matt Ryan versus Teddy Bridgewater, and I can't believe that's even a viable debate, but people are taking Bridgewater over Matt Ryan. Chris Mitchell, what do you got on this one?
2: I guess you're going to think I'm crazy, but... Teddy Bridgewater, 27 years old. I still don't think he's back into perfect shape after the the crazy injury that he had. But I like that he's improved each year since he's come back. I'm going to go with Teddy Bridgewater over the next four years to be my quarterback.
0: Wow. Okay, so I'm a little shook um, because, frankly, I mean, Teddy Bridgewater's had his moments, but I guess maybe I'm the big believer in Matt Ryan. Now, Matt Ryan's not a spring chicken, by the way. He is 35 years old, so uh, I understand why people might be hesitant on Matt Ryan even for the next four years, but uh, there has been some speculation that the Falcons may look at moving on from Matt Ryan at some point, and if they do that, I believe he's going to be incredibly coveted. I mean, you're talking about a quarterback, even right now, in a year where they are 2-6, and talking about somebody that's completing almost 67 percent of his passes already has 2400 yards passing 12 touchdowns to only four picks I mean he's his interception ratio is 1.3 percent which you could look at and say wow that's that's alarming but then I'd tell you what if I told you that it's been 1.3 percent or one or lower in three of the last six years I mean even in a bad year for him it's about 2.2 2.3 percent that's That's staggeringly uh, accurate for somebody that not only has a high completion percentage, but also has a low interception ratio. Oh, and also throws a bunch of touchdowns. I mean, I I think we underappreciate Matt Ryan. Now, maybe it's because he's had great wide receivers. Maybe that's part of the conversation is he's had great offensive weapons. I'm left to wonder, though, how much differently we would see this entire conversation if Matt Ryan had won that Super Bowl. And again, 28 to 3, they were up. I I don't put the loss squarely at the feet of Matt Ryan, but... I mean, to me, if Matt Ryan has one Super Bowl ring, how much different? Like, it took that one ring, and all of a sudden Aaron Rodgers goes to a different category, and that's just the way the world works. If Matt Ryan had one Super Bowl ring, Stash, tell me if I'm crazy. Are we seeing Matt Ryan through a different magnifying glass if he has one ring?
1: Oh, for sure. For sure, because he, I think so.
0: And that, to me, is like, that's the biggest missing piece for Matt Ryan, but that's also a statement to frankly a blown moment i mean
1: he's had a pretty good career you look at the numbers and uh yeah i mean it's the ring would certainly put him in a much different conversation for sure
0: i mean when you talk about just the last several years you look at his touchdowns and his i mean his touchdown percentage in 2016 was 7.1 good god Uh, But 3.8%, 5.8%, 4.2%, all of these are alarmingly high stats for somebody to be able to put up consistently. And that's the thing that that hits me. I mean, even if you don't want to say it's a stats-based business, you're still talking about, has quarterback been the reason that the Falcons have lost games? I think that's the lost part of the quarterback conversation. We become so consumed with wins and losses, and Trey Wingo and I had this debate several times uh, back in the Golic Wingo days. Uh, We become so consumed with quarterback wins and losses, we forget that I don't think it's just about that. It's not just a question of did you win or lose, it's does the win or loss lie squarely at your feet? Now, Matt Ryan has certainly helped the, the Falcons win some games. I don't know that I look at the failings of the Falcons for the last few years and say, oh, Well, that's right at the feet of Matt Ryan. I mean, I just haven't seen it that way. And so uh, even though there's been dynamic wide receivers with him, I'm left to wonder how much is partially because he's a very good quarterback. Uh, If you think about free agency in general, if, if Matt Ryan tomorrow were available, I think more teams than we're giving credit to would just absolutely climb over themselves. To bring in Matt, even at 35 years old, so uh, maybe it's an age conversation. But at this point, I mean, Matt Ryan's getting his butt kicked, and maybe this is about me undervaluing Teddy Bridgewater. I mean that that might be the big uh, that might be the big takeaway here is that you've got to look at, at t- Teddy Bridgewater and see if I'm maybe underestimating his ability to play. Uh, the, the The Panthers have been surprising. I'll give them all the credit in the world, and I'll give Matt Rule all the credit in the world, but. Again, I'm going to go back to some of the coaching elements of it. Joe Brady comes in, uh, the passing coordinator that was able to get Joe Burrow to be so successful at LSU. I was surprised, frankly, that when the Bengals assembled their new staff, they didn't hire Joe Brady to come and work with Burrow there. I was surprised that didn't happen. But what do we see? We see an offense that's been able to get a lot out of the weapons on the outside that we weren't sure what they were going to look like. And Teddy Bridges Waters looked better than we would have given any assumption to looking, even without Christian McCaffrey. So without those elements around him, uh, or, or with a, without those benefits around him, Bridgewater still had success. But I, I have to put some of that on Joe Brady, some of that on Matt Rule, and uh, some of that on uh, Teddy Bridgewater. I just don't feel like it's sustainable to the same level. I mean, I'm surprised. I'm not surprised, I guess, uh, that Tom Brady's winning, uh, um, frankly. I am surprised that Teddy Bridgewater is in second place. So uh, we'll keep breaking it down. We've got one division left to go. That's what I know. We have one division left to go. So uh, the NFC West is going to be next uh, for the next four years. That one's tricky. You got Russ, you got Kyler Murray. Who are you taking for the next four years? We'll put the poll up, and then we'll get you updated on every one of the polls, and then we'll try and answer the question. If we eliminate it down to one in each conference, who's it going to be? We'll do all that next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio in the ESPN app. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio the ESPN app, SiriusXM, Channel 80. I'm Jason Fitz. Look, we're always going to be honest on this show. That's the way we do things, and we're all human. It's crazy night, you know. Th- there, there are going to be things that happened, and uh, you know, the, at 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 some point, we're putting up polls. We're doing them quickly for everybody. Uh, some of you guys are are all over us for it. We put up a poll for which quarterback you want to represent the NFC West for the next four years. I, I, I will give my guys credit that work on the show, guys and girls that work behind the scenes on the show. What you don't realize is that uh, they're asked to do about 15 different jobs at once and sometimes in that process things go awry. So we put up the poll of who's going to represent the NFC West for the next four years at the quarterback position and unfortunately on that poll we, uh, we messed up one of the names. There's just no other way to say this. We messed up one of the names. And if you've ever listened to Spain and Company, you know that Jason Goff worked on this show for a long time. He's a good buddy of mine. Well, we put in Jason Goff instead of Jared Goff. It's going to happen sometimes. Uh, And look, uh, before we throw anybody at ESPN radio on the bus, and I see the tweets already coming in of people talking about what we do for a living typos happen, relax of all the things that are going to happen tonight. This is probably not the biggest concern anybody should have. So everybody laugh about it, have a little bit of fun, and I'm never going to throw my guys under the bus for making natural human mistakes that happen when you're doing 15 jobs at once, they do a great job. They work their tails off and this is just something to laugh about it. So do that, laugh about it. Let's have some fun. In the meantime, You can vote out there on who you want to represent the NFC West for the next several years. Four years. That's the time. We got four years. So... Uh, At this point, I think it's probably an easy decision, right? I I mean, Stosh, uh, we've got the four quarterbacks up here. When you talk about Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, Jimmy G, and Jason Goff. uh, Jared Goff. i get (laughs) it now. Uh, So if you take Jimmy G off the board, right, because I think uh, most of us don't believe the Goff or Garoppolo, this really becomes about Murray or Russ. And Russ is deceptively young. I think people forget that. I'm still going Russell Wilson because he's, what, 31 years old? I mean, he's got four years left in the tank of being this version of Russ, right?
1: What I would not give to see Jason Goff get a shot at the Rams, though. That would be oh, great. God. I mean, that would he's be great. Athletic, right? Shout I mean, out I think Jason he could Goff. He can a pretty good job. <laughs> uh, I mean, this is clearly Russell Wilson, but I'm going to yeah, vote. And yeah, I'm. I'm definitely is taking there Russell. Any, Wilson. Is
0: there any moment for you with Kyler where you look at it and say, you know what? I mean, Kyler has looked so good, and the offenses look so good, and I thought everybody would catch up. So maybe there was this moment for me with with Kyler that. Uh, I, I underestimated him, so now am I overestimating him if I think it should be a bigger debate? I I, I mean, maybe we just don't have enough proof of concept yet, right? Uh,
1: I don't think it's that big a debate, though Kyler is certainly trending in the right direction.
0: I, I don't disagree with any of that. Chris Mitchell, who you got on this?
2: Oh, uh, this one's easy. It's Russell Wilson all the way. Guy still likes. He's so good. He's so much fun to watch, and he has the most beautiful deep pass you you could see in the NFL.
0: Well, I I don't disagree. I I can't find – I want to find a reason why it's going to be more challenging to have this one, but I think we're all going to find out that Russ just walks away with it, And, and deservedly so. It is curious to me, you know, as Dan Graziano pointed out on the Monday Night Football Show, the concept that Russell Wilson has never gotten a vote for MVP forgets that, you know, the MVP voting isn't something where you turn in your top three. You get one vote. And so, as he pointed out, would anybody have not yelled last year if Lamar Jackson didn't get the MVP vote, but Russ did? I mean, uh, we talk a lot about the fact that Russ hasn't had an MVP vote, but I think it's only raised the number of eyeballs that are suddenly on what Russ is doing. And I have this belief. I've been in a lot of sports bars in my life watching the Raiders play. And uh, in in that process, you'd be amazed at how often you're sitting there at noon uh, in in Nashville at the time, 1 o'clock now on the East Coast, Sitting there at 1 o'clock with everybody in the bar, it's packed. You're watching the game. It's awesome. The four, the, at the 4 o'clock kick, though, the whole bar just empties out. I think a lot of people go out and they party early, and then they spend the rest of their afternoon sort of doing whatever. Because the NFL hasn't necessarily spread out the scheduling in a way that gives us as many games at 4 o'clock that are compelling, I wonder how many people really have paid attention to us. You just sort of watch him side-eye as you're doing whatever to get the end of your Sunday done. You see it, and then you say, oh, yeah, he's Russell Wilson. He's great because there's been so much chatter this year, I feel like people are paying more attention. They're paying more attention to the little things. They're paying more attention to how great he is. They're paying more attention to the fact that the Seahawks really haven't given him much, and they're still able to win games. So because of that and because of the momentum, I feel like all eyes are on Russ. It's deserved. If I had to pick somebody for the next four years, there's no doubt to me that it would be him. Now, the other end of it is what are the 49ers going to do? They are barely removed from Jimmy G taking them to the Super Bowl. So the question is, are they going to make a move now that Jimmy G is out for at least the next six weeks with a high ankle sprain? They're still trying to figure out what they have at the quarterback position. Are they going to look at moving on? Dan Graziano, ESPN NFL Insider, was on the morning show, Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin today, and addressed that.
2: I think they'll look elsewhere and decide. See, the way the 49ers set up their contracts, and Jimmy G is no exception, you know, they, they, it's rolling year-to-year guarantees, and they don't even really have a trigger It kicks in the next year's guarantee until April 1st. And that's intentional because that's a couple of weeks after the start of free agency. So a team like the 49ers can look at its other options and assess, can we get a guy in free agency or via trade? Or how is the draft looking for us before they decide?
0: I mean, and that's going to be the big question for the 49ers. But it's also startling to think that we're not that far removed from the 49ers having a sizable lead in the Super Bowl. I mean, that's the other part of it we forget. Like, Patrick Mahomes didn't particularly play well. And I know that Jimmy G was perceived as the liability going through all of it, and their defense was going to win them a Super Bowl, right? I know that. But as has been pointed out, the, the 49ers are dealing with more injuries than anybody. And, you know, we still don't know if Jimmy G is great, but does he need to be great? I mean, we're in this world where suddenly if you don't have Russ or you don't have Mahomes, you don't have anybody? I don't think it's that simple. So what are they going to do? I mean, uh, does somebody like Matt Ryan that we just talked about being underappreciated try and get reunited with Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco? Maybe our other teams going to take a look at Jimmy G. I mean, if there's anything that this exercise has taught us throughout the course of today, there's two things. One, boy, any quarterback that hasn't played a bunch still gets a lot of love from everybody. The other side of it is that it seems like there are a lot of teams that have quarterbacks that are sort of middle of the road, and that's the most frustrating spot to be in as a fan, right? Uh, You start to think about what it's like to be as a a fan when you know that your favorite team has a quarterback that's pretty good. I know this feeling. I'm a Raiders fan. Everybody knows that. Derek Carr, I think, is a, a, a very good quarterback that, when he plays great, is really good. And when he doesn't play great, it's just sort of mediocre. And he can win some games, but he can also lose some games. And it's maddening for the entire front fan base to try and figure it out. Think about what Eagles fans are trying to figure out with Carson Wentz. You know, is, is this just a moment? Is he no good? I mean, we even heard Dak being yelled at by Cowboys fans until he went down, and then we saw the Cowboys without Dak, right? We all forget what our favorite team would look like without that quarterback. We all forget... What it was like to have Jamarcus Russell as quarterback, because now we see Derek Carr and we want Derek Carr to be Aaron Rodgers. If the if the line in the sand is Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, if that line is that high, then most teams aren't going to meet that line. The problem is, then what do you do? Do you go back to the draft? You know, do you go back to to suddenly trying to dip your toes back in the waters? Right? Do you go back to the situation where you might be in with everybody else? I mean, when you start thinking about Jameis Winston. And you start thinking about Marcus Mariota. I always use those two guys as an example. Because Tampa Bay fans were convinced they had their quarterback for generations with Jameis Winston. I worked in Nashville at the time with Marcus Mariota being with the Titans. Titans fans were convinced they had their guy. Now both are backups. Both are sort of forgotten in the league. And it's a reminder of what it's like when you dip your toes in the water. I mean, Daniel Jones, Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield. All of these guys were supposed to be franchise savers. And so for, for, for so many teams that are looking around trying to figure out what they need next, the immediate answer is, well, you know what? This guy's a bum. We're going to go back into the draft. Here's the, th- the secret. 99.99% of the time, great quarterbacks don't hit free agency. It just rarely happens. So if you're getting a quarterback through free agency, you're giving, getting a quarterback somebody else has given up on. And for somebody else to give up on a quarterback and let them walk, means that there is a fatal flaw somewhere in that quarterback's game. It is rare to see a quarterback change teams and then have this, this awakening. Yeah, we can all point to you know, the Mannings of the world coming off an injury, right? We can point, I as a Raiders fan can point to Rich Gannon, but Rich Gannon had been a career backup. Like Nobody knew that, that Rich was going to be who Rich was. It's rare to see that. I mean, uh, if, if the Falcons are will, willing to move off of Matt Ryan, if the 49ers are willing to move off of Jimmy G, These are quarterbacks that are going to get opportunity elsewhere. But is a fan base really going to be that excited for them? I don't know. I mean, if the Lions move off of Matt Stafford, you know, but each of those teams that's making the decision to do that would be making the decision to go back into the draft because they think they're going to find their next guy. But how do you know?